Welcome okay. to Record Plug, episode one. One, the episode, first one. First one. I'm, I'm here with Jeffrey DeBaser. Hey, I'm here with Ryan. People know me as Jimmy Ether. People, people know me as Ryan. Oh, okay, that's fine. Okay, Jimmy. First episode, we don't know what the hell we're doing here. Um, we're going to talk about Record Plug magazine, uh, print magazine in Atlanta and Athens, Georgia, obviously. If you're a fan, if you're not, you should uh, be one. But I think we're going to start talking about some national stuff too here, at least on the podcast. And you did a couple of uh, interviews in the in the latest issue. Which... Oh, and this one, uh, the one I did was a Brainiac. Um, grew up loving the band. Um, got to work with uh, the band Enon for a while back, she's uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s. Yeah. Um, uh, back when I used to do an old TV show and uh, was able to kind of get caught back up with them. With John, um, and uh, I think the story turned out really nicely. Got four pages on accident. Uh, wasn't expecting right. that, but we got a lot of really cool photos that uh, John had gotten together that hadn't really been printed anywhere else. Yeah, and the photo dug, layout in this is awesome. Oh yeah, he uh, he dug through his own collection of stuff he had, and um, some of them I was able to kind of clean them up a bit to get them you know better for print. And uh, the final product looks great. I'm so thrilled to have these photos in there. And yeah. some of them are like the entire spread of the page from top to bottom. They look they look awesome. I'm so excited to have those in there. You should totally, totally check those out. So uh, we talked a little bit about Brainiac uh, that you covered. There's a lot of stuff that you didn't get into in the article that I think we can touch on in the cast here. But one was um, the formation of the band and Oh, I guess we'll, we'll call it the reformation, reformation of, the of the band after Tim. Yeah. Um, one of the questions everyone had, well, everyone, me, yeah. uh, had was, you know, at what point do they decide, you know, hey, look, Tim, Tim passed away and we haven't played in 20, 20, 25 years. And he was like such a big front man of that band right. right he was one of the primary songwriters the lead man the guy that would leave with all the bruises and cuts mm -hmm. and, and you know the blood on stage it was all tim reformation wise uh it was never really something that they set out or planned to do it kind of happened all by accident yeah uh i don't want to take every word that john says because he explains it better than i do right uh, he lived it but Generally, it all started out with a fundraiser and just slowly over time became like a project to get, you know, just kind of get back together and play. But without Tim, they had to kind of come up with some solutions. Yeah, who's like singing most of this stuff now? Well, for the back half of the albums, John also yeah, he's sang. Like, they, they split, yeah. they split. So split he still has all of his parts. And... They found very much like the Pixies uh, did with finding another Kim. Uh, Brainiac found another Tim. Uh, literally, his name's Tim. Tim Krug. And uh, he grew up loving the band, being a fan. And when they started trying to find a band to tour with, uh, which is a very limited amount of time per year, they went ahead and reached out to Tim to do it. And Tim's more than gung-ho about doing it. My God, this is a dream come true right. for him. That's very uh, Minutemen Firehose yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. And they're, the fact that uh, they're very limited runs and mm -hmm. they're primarily being filled with, you know, people who are already very familiar with the band right. and kind of have a, just, are just happy to, happy to have the music, to hear the music performed one more time. Right. Uh, the response has been really good. Tim's fit in really well. I couldn't imagine a better person to to step in and 
and fill those fill those shoes. That's awesome. And are they gonna, are they going to make any new music or? Is it, uh, is I can't really get into that okay. because nobody knows. Nobody knows. At least that's what I know based upon what I was being told. You know, uh, you know. Of course, but it's possible. No spoilers. I would like to hear new music, but you know, we shall see. The only person in the band that's still really touring is is John, uh, with his, his other band Caribou. Uh, they finished up the tour. Has got a little bit of downtime to work on on other on some Berniac shows. Yeah, and they've got the band back together. That's cool. Uh, it's a it's a convoluted story, really hard to to put in print. Uh, I had to take a, this long meandering tale and condense it into about three sentences. Right, maybe four sentences. Uh, man, it's better to just let him tell it. All right. What brought about the idea of booking Brainiac stuff again? So the documentary happened. Before the documentary did happen, though, there was this yearly event around Christmas that would happen mm-hmm. for uh, a friend of the band's who passed away. Basically, his daughter's like college fund. We would do a benefit, or I should say Dayton would do a benefit for his daughter's college fund, and yeah. bands would play. And there were, had been... Uh, that was when the first Brainiac thing happened, basically. Um, we decided to get together uh, as a surprise for to raise money for that. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, pretty sure it was the very next year, was when uh, Eric Mahoney was... He interviewed a bunch of us separate and a, and a bunch of the people that were in the dock. And then he uh, mm-hmm. was... He had put together the show in New York, for which mm-hmm. I was a little bit like... You know, I'd seen a ton of docs, rock docs and stuff before he started working on ours. And, uh, you know, when he started asking me about this, like, what do you think if I put together this show and you guys performed with like friends of the band and, you know, fans and stuff like that? And I was like, well, I, you know, and you want this to be in the doc? He's like, maybe we'll film it. Maybe we'll use it, you know, since there's not a lot of footage of the band that's like, you know, in good shape from back in the day. And I was like, well, my least favorite part of most rock docs is when the old guys get together at the end and like jam or whatever. So I, you know, but nonetheless, so anyway, we did, we did that thing. And while we were there, uh, Juan lived in New York at the time and the Jesus lizard were playing the night after the, the Brainiac doc, uh, like tribute show thing. And so we all had tickets to that. And uh, my high school band with Tyler actually was supposed to, because this was in December, we were supposed to play, uh, our high school band was going to play opening for the band that we like revered in high school. We're also doing a reunion show. So I was very excited about this. It was going to be a big like uh, Dayton, like punk rock reunion show of you know from like 90 89 or whatever basically and that band had to cancel because they had a death in the family and so we're like four days out from uh you know that show and we're at the jesus lizard and we all talk like oh man that the, the dayton show's in trouble and juan was like well if you pay for my ticket like if we fund my ticket to get to new york 
Brainiac could fill in the blank to do the show instead. So that's what we did. It was the second time we played, basically. Mm-hmm. And then after the doc came out, the documentary toured around and stuff like that. And a few times Eric asked if we could would play in conjunction with it. So we did a show in... We did it in Dayton again. It was like a really big show. And then we did uh, a show in L.A. that Fred Armisen was like the guest for. But it was basically us playing like other shows we had done. We had like a bunch of local guest singers come up and 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 be the singer and stuff like that. And I sang some. And the, the newer Tim that's been playing with us did, did a few. Um, but by the time we did that show, it was like, we could basically do this if we decided to do this on our own. We we could without having like you know all this stuff. And then uh, I put together a few archival releases, like starting over the pandemic that came out on Touch and Go. And by the time the last the, there was one that came out this past January of this year, and in the build up to it last summer, uh, I was playing with Caribou and we played some festivals and we shared some with Mogwai whom. Uh, Stuart was in the documentary and I mentioned to him like, oh, thanks for, you know, your support and that and that we were putting out the archival thing and that we were probably going to play some shows around it. It's just like chatting him up about it. And he wrote me like two weeks later and offered like the entire UK support tour for their tour, which was in February of this year. So they offered us that and I was like, oh, shoot. Well, let me ask the guys and of course, it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. So we agreed to do that. And then we set up a few of our own shows. We did a show in London, a show in Glasgow, and three shows in the States, uh, in the Midwest. And it was a lot of fun. And basically, all of these shows have been like, okay, we've done this together. It's been really fun to like hang out with these guys again, because we kind of, you know, the band disbanded. It. We just sort of it's not like I would stop being friends with those guys, but we stopped being a band together and we just sort of like forgot that we had a really great relationship and had a lot of fun together. And so through doing the interviews and playing these couple shows, it was like, this is fun. Like we should, we should do this. And then when the Mogwai thing happened, it really like, I mean, the response was just amazing. Like there, nobody, I was, I've been pretty skeptical just thinking like, okay, some people are going to be like, how can you do this? Why are you doing this? or whatever but the response has really been nothing but like positive and like thankful basically everyone is just like thank you for doing this something else i covered in here that i'm really happy with uh i'm extremely happy with um there's i'm reluctant to call it a venue but there's a new location for shows uh it's going by the pyro ship it's a literal pirate ship built in this guy's backyard. A guy named Jack, uh, kind of a somewhat of a pyro madman. Uh, he works with fire, propane, explosives for fun. He also does a lot of like carpenter work and stuff like that. And he's been collecting and holding on to like old wood from projects for forever and ever, and utilizing that to build this giant pirate pirate ship in his backyard. Now the pirate ship has. Two stage levels. The main deck of the ship is the stage. Yeah. Then you go up up a ladder to the upper level where they have like the steering wheel for the for the ship. And I believe that's called a fly right is the name of that area. Okay. Uh, don't quote me if I'm wrong. Uh, doing my best here. But um, the best part about it is that the stage and the entire ship is also flammable. 
So, so you don't mean they actually catch the stage on fire and he rebuilds it every time, right? No. I mean, it'd be he hard. Has, he has. It would be hard to get bands back. Yeah, I was gonna so, say he's got pyrotechnics yeah. going. Yeah, but he's he's got a like. A, so how long is this, this gonna last? Um, <laughs> how long before when, the city of Tucker? Back. That's this down. So right now, there's dude. I hope it lasts forever. I I, I absolutely adored it. That's um, the the pyrotechnics are great, and he actually seemed to put a lot of work in trying to make sure that everything was safe. Um, but the ship also has like rope ladders. Um, there's actually a plank connected to the stage. So when you're performing, you can actually walk the plank, which is like a super, super skinny catwalk. It's kind of, kind of cool if you use it right. Um, hmm. and, uh, uh, there are four bands who played that day or that evening. And, uh, one band, uh, who was actually a great name for it too. Red hot, empty, hot, <laughs> red hot. Uh, they played it and, uh, that was, uh, as the sun was going down and nice. it was beautiful seeing the change of like the, the brightness of the sky or the, the dusk coloring, coloring the ship and coloring the environment around it. And then as it, as the sun completed, completely went down to see the actual ship illuminated by the flames, there weren't no, there were no like stage lighting. There, yeah. there are no like, you know, lights this around ambient. it's fire. It's fire. Yeah. The stage is lit by fire. So is flames. it a requirement that you dress like a pirate? Uh it was cool when uh when you follow that theme. Okay. Uh Vicky's Dream uh dived into it headfirst. Yeah, it like they, they went all pirate on it and watching them adorn the whole pirate gear and get up on on the pirate ship with all the skeletons or thing laying around or thing on fire performing it felt like being being at like this giant outdoor theatrical performance and their music itself are is very uh very atmospheric yeah and it ties in really well with that whole stage persona and it seemed like the stage was built for them it was absolutely phenomenal i can't imagine seeing them anywhere else at that point where was this where's this place Tucker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a lot Tucker's going on. Cool. There's a lot going on in Tucker. Apparently, yeah, Tucker's come a long way. I, I guess I've only been to the pyro ship. I don't know yeah. much about Tucker. Uh, it, it's you know, it's kind of you know, it, it, for a while there, it became kind of the cool, affordable place to be able to find a home that was not too far from the city. You know, that's fair. All yeah. right, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I, that that doesn't surprise me. Wasn't there another play venue that you were checking out? The Brick House. Was it the Brick House? Brick House is, um, I still haven't gone to an official show there yet. But you checked the venue itself out. Yes. When, like, well, house I mean, it's the guy's place. basement. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a pretty cool little setup. I've, I've been there. I've been there during a sound check, yeah. but I had an article I had due the next morning, right, right, and right. I didn't want to have Kip mad at me. So I went and said, hey, I dropped off some posters with the band Pervert and Psychic Death, who were both playing it. Yeah. And um, and uh, said, "Hey guys, what's up? Uh, gotta go. Bye." <laughs> but I got a chance to see it, and it was—it's a pretty cool little place. Um, right. It's a again a basement venue. I feel like a lot of the younger bands and the newer bands coming up. Uh, there's a really good uh, house party breeding ground right now, and yeah. uh, it's a. Uh, I feel like it's—I don't know if it's easier to get people to a house show or to get the people to Underground Atlanta. 
it's uh they both have their they both have their uh challenges if you're older than 23 if you're a band that tailors toward 25 and under you're gonna do pretty well if you're a band that has more of an older crowd who normally plays the star bar the earl it's a harder sell to convince people to to go depending upon what street you're on i believe it's free parking after seven or eight and uh another one's at nine don't quote yeah. me on that, but uh, you yeah, start cause learning because the the parking deck's like twenty bucks. I've never paid for the parking deck. I've always had street parking. I've never had a problem. Like twenty two dollars or something. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, more than I pay to get into a show. Right. I refuse. Uh, but it's really not that hard to find once you've been there once. Um, All right, so every almost every other project I've ever worked on, uh, I've had the band Catfight Guinea Picket with me. Um, they seem to be comfortable with the idea of being their guinea pigs. Uh, They're the first in the door a lot. And, uh, you know, I thought when doing a record plug podcast, uh, yeah, uh, so I I got a guinea pig. Yeah, the idea is that we're going to have guest bands come in over Zoom, do a little segment with uh, Jeffrey here and possibly would be here and there. And uh, we'll see how it goes. First thing they asked was, oh, what are we doing? I, said, I, I don't know. Uh, hit record. That's, that's, that's how we started the magazine, and that's how we continue to work. We don't know what we're doing. I still don't. Uh, and after the, the interview, uh, it was clear that I still don't. Uh, but I think it, my parts might be entertaining. Uh, let's, uh, hey. Why don't we go ahead and uh, cut out the best parts and okay. just chilled out. Here we go. Catfight. So with Catfight back in the 90s, um it was a lot different uh playing for crowds in the now it seemed um what kind of responses and and experience did you have on stage back in that day trying to play your your style of feminist music i would say that uh depending on the show things uh, can feel similar today as they did back then but you know coming up in what was male-centric rock and roll macho kind of a scene um it was pretty much guaranteed that every time catfight would play at least uh, initially uh we would get kind of heckled things things come out of the crowd even before and after the show people either being surprised that we knew how to play or um saying things that were inappropriate or lewd um and it got a little frustrating over time, but um, but there are definitely shows that we've played recently where we can where we can feel uh, you know a really great energy. I think a, a lot of people think about um, gender in a different way than they used to. Um, so I I don't even I don't like to cons- I don't even like to think of us as like sort of a a girl band or a woman all woman band or um, you know female centric band because like notions of gender have have changed a whole lot and. Um, We've always liked to play with with uh, ideas about gender and sexuality in our lyrics, and I think that that's something that's on people's minds right now, and um, and and resonates with um, with a new generation of, of concert goers. So, uh, I'm I'm into that. I like it. Yeah. So originally you started out. Was your first drummer Suzanne? No, Anne Shavaka was our first drummer. Yeah. Oh, so you've actually had a couple. Um, along the way, how did you pull in Stacy with the whole Modalitas connection? It's a great combo. I certainly remember Stacy because we loved the Modalitas when we played with them um, yeah. a lot. So, well, Aaron Danger, right? Who was 
in the actually Aaron's the one who got the Motolitas together because I worked with her husband Elliot who plays in the Penetrators. There, I think they're actually like having a new show coming up. Like, yeah, they're having a reunion. Yeah, which will be really cool. But um, that's kind of how we got started. So Elliot and I are both drummers. We both used to work at Rich's Macy's out of the corporate office, and we used to talk about surf music because I came from San Francisco and was really into the surf scene there. And uh, and he was like, "Hey, my girlfriend's starting a band. So do you you want to play drums with them?" And I was like, "Heck yeah!" But so then Jennifer has continued to stay friends with the Dangers all these years and just kind of threw my name out there. And she just sent me a message on Messenger and said, hey, we need a drummer. Are you interested? And I said, it's been a minute, but I would love to try it. And it just like we are just having the best time. So I'm I'm really grateful. I feel like, honestly, these ladies, they kind of help change the trajectory of my life in a way. So really grateful, having a blast. As you guys know, band dynamics are sometimes really tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. not tricky with uh, with Catfight. It's just easy fun. We've been really, really lucky for a long time oh, now. Lucky, lucky people. Can you guys kind of discuss the difference between when you originally started writing, you were somewhat taking, trying to flip you're trying to flip the scenario with a masculine uh, approach to writing and how that kind of progressed into what you're doing today, which is more overt. Sure. Yeah. So um, so the first band that I was in was called Bite. And um, we were kind of came out of the Riot Girl tradition. Uh, we wrote a variety of different kinds of songs, but mostly sort of angry, screamy feminist songs. Um, and then when I started playing uh, with Anne and Katie in Catfight, um, they had been in a band called Doll Squad, and it had a different kind of approach to um, to sort of, you know, addressing the intersection of of gender and rock and roll, and um, did it through a more sort of let's be ironic in that we're writing songs about um, the female experience, uh, but we're going to twist the regular expectations of what women in rock and roll are like. Let's, you know, you know, dress hyper feminine, um, you know, uh, write songs uh, that were, you know, overtly sexual and kind of, you know, a female version of the sort of ridiculous male, male lyrics uh, in rock and roll a lot of times. And, and, you know, and just showing that, that when you, when you, when you flip it in that way, it comes across differently. And so, um, so we did that for a lot of years, had a lot of, you know, a lot of car, car songs, you know, backseat of car songs, uh, trilogy, <laughs> yeah. our trilogy, yeah. our trilogy. And yeah. And just, just wrote, wrote in that style and performed in that style for a while. Um, it got a little, uh, frustrating for me when, um, when people wouldn't recognize the irony of that scenario and, uh, took it just at face value rather than, um, understanding you know, what we were trying to do um, with that. And so uh, it's been interesting to kind of come full circle and write songs that are um, more overtly feminist um, and uh, less, in, you know, just having an undertone or insinuation of, of what we're, we're trying to get across because, you know, 
people kind of need it in their face right now. Everything's a short attention span. Um, so yeah. uh, so majority, majority rules, long end of the stick, right? Those, those are a couple songs about um, supporting women in office, uh, you know, having, you know, women as a voting block. Uh, that's what majority rules is about, right? Like, you know, women are 50, 51%. So uh, let's do something with our, with our um, power. And um, long end of the stick is about, is a twist on short end of the stick, right? You know, about um, why are women, especially women of color paid so much less um, than white men in the workplace for the same kind of work, same kind of job. You're entertaining the idea of trying to set up some fundraisers and so forth. Um for abortion rights organizations and so forth. Um, is there anything that you're actually able to tell me at this point or is it too early? Well, we have, we, we just finished one merchandise fundraiser, a t-shirt that was, um, you know, we had, we had a, it looked like the Ramones logo, but it said defend women's rights instead. And yeah, it was awesome. We raised like $3,000 for Planned Parenthood um, and uh, reproductive freedom for all. And uh, we're doing another fundraiser right now. I can grab that T-shirt in a second. It's um, it's the same logo on a different style of shirt um, that says uh, defend trans rights, right? Uh, when we're talking about people being in control of their own bodies, there's a lot of legislation out there now that is restricting uh, people's ability to um, express their gender um, physically. Just get health care. Yeah, right? or get health care. Yeah, mental health care. Um, for that, go to the Trevor Project, right? Yeah. And the Trevor Project is an organization that, um, you know, works to, uh, you know, works with trans youth and um, to prevent suicide. So that's their primary mission. And I will say, like, I one of the coolest things is like when there are all ages shows or even sometimes when they're not all ages shows, the defend women's rights T-shirts, like moms buying those T-shirts for their daughters. And we're just like. Yes. <laughs> like, um, how does it feel to be introducing a younger, younger kids to what you're doing? It's great. We all have kids, and so yeah. they're of that age, and and uh, and it's been wonderful to be able to learn. I, I love learning um, from from my children about their their musical tastes and preferences. It's influencing what I'm writing, and um, it's influencing what I'm doing, um, my perspective. So I, I love it. Yeah. I'll say like my kids, I don't know if it's just because they grew up in a house with music, you know, playing constantly and learning how to play instruments as they grew up. But like, they're super open to like all different genres and different music from different eras. And, you know, there's really kind of been an upswing in, you know, music from the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands. And I think that's part of where part of the appeal maybe to some of the younger um, kids right now. Along this line, it reminds me though, of the Brower sisters. Yeah. I think they're great. And their parents, so I've seen them play and I'm at a, I'm at a bar and their parents are there, right? Cause they can't go to those, but when they do those, they can do all ages shows, but it's interesting to have, now be at an age where all our kids are in bands or we're meeting people whose kids are in bands and playing shows of them or meeting them out. Um, it's kind of, it's a really cool thing. I would love to have them play on a, you know, to, to, for a benefit. You're you know, already putting together like to your do. lineup at Waller's coffee shop right now. You're already, oh, yeah. 
You're already putting together. See, your- I'll be honest with you. I do love Wellers. We want to do, but our the benefit that we envisioned is bigger than bigger than Wallers, even big, 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 big. That's why we keep we're searching for a venue. We'll find it. It's tricky. It's tricky right now. Um, Very tricky. For these kind of things, Ollie just shows are the best because I want to be able. Any, I don't want anyone to be turned away. Oh, so. it has to be all. The benefit has to be all ages. Idrum is still around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they'd be happy to get. Have you heard of Railroad Earth yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, went to high school with Neil. You already mm-hmm. okay? You know, he's got a nice facility set up to do that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Why not uh, call Kathleen Anna and see if she wants to come do it? If she'll allow, she we don't have to keep this right. local. This should be big. I wanted, I want to raise money for local stuff and for everywhere, but you know, this is our thing. We can, it's as big as we want to make it, right? All right. I'm, I'm down. You, when you're yeah. rolling toward that, you just let me know and I'm let me know how I can help. And I'm, I'm, no, on board. Perfect. I'm all on board. So back to at least looping back to the bands that you do like locally. What are some of the bands that are standing out to you right now that you find exciting and interesting? Yeah, Hail Gale, small. Small. Oh, Alice, cheerleader. What is it that, that pulls you into these things? Young, raw energy, for me anyway. I don't know. I mean, they're great musicians too, but they're they're having a blast. Their energy's amazing on stage. They're the music's good, the lyrics are good. Yeah. I loved when I, I went to see Small and they distributed a zine with their lyrics in it at the show. So you could like read along, read along with the lyrics. That was fantastic. Yeah. It's 100% why I'm making a zine. Yeah. I love zines. <laughs> what zine are you making? Oh, I've been working on forever. Yeah, uh, mostly a lot about reproductive rights and the state of, you know, what's going on, but also with some of our lyrics and this other kind of things. I was going to say, y'all got to remind me later ladies when we practice because i got a really cool new zine out of new york you got to see but um i love zines so i do start seeing a little bit of resurgence of zine culture coming back i think it really is um we have a couple here locally um (laughs) i do consider record plug to be one (laughs) there's one called hardtack and there's another called zero zine have you seen those I think I might have seen zero zine. I have hardtack right over here. One sec. Yeah, Rand, I got this one is really good, y'all. East Village Inky. Did you order it online? Randy got it from a friend, um, but she orders it online. And this is the fashion issue. Yes. But um, it's got a lot of body positivity and it's not always about fashion though. It's about all kinds of stuff. What's it called? But, the East Village Inky. I love that. I've got another waiting for me in there. I want to look out the weird off Bandcamp. So I love bands are having them as part of their merch on Bandcamp. This is one from Athens. Hard tech. It's all photocopies of skating and music. Sweet. Uh, it's all it's all photocopier, old school photocopier style. Um, I don't know what pages I'm listing up, but you kind of see and get the idea. Um, then the zero zine is one that's kind of fun. Um, they're, they're local. They, they insist that they'll never take an ad. And, um, apparently the guy does it at home on his computer and he has a pretty nice printer and he just 
buys paper and prints them up as he can every month and distributes them around a few different little locations if you know where they are and leaves a bunch of them stacks of them at like it shows and stuff for people to randomly find that's cool oh. and i never thought this would come back i thought it was all websites but now who wants to go to a website <laughs> i want to hold something they never really went away but i think there is a definite resurgence in what i see so there's something about holding something in my hand when i read it and makes something something seem real i i don't know how to explain it maybe that's because i grew up with that era i don't know how the younger readership feels about it but it seems like they're all I realize that now there's some people who just started going to shows after COVID, they hit that age group where they've never not known to have a local magazine focusing exclusively on music. What do you think of Record Plug? It's great. Yeah, no. Description. I love it. I mean, thank God. You, everybody at Record Plug, they're just, you guys love the music. You're focused on the music. You want to pump people up, right? You're not in there to just get digs in and it would make me sad to not have a music publication I can hold in my hand and read, right? And yeah, I have a stack of them. So I don't lose them when they go when they go away. I can if I need to find one, I can go get it. And I like holding stuff in my hand. So you guys I think filled a really important gap that was there. I think music journalism is really important. Everyone's inundated with TikToks and everything else. I don't understand where young people find music. <laughs> I don't know where I find music sometimes, but at least having one place I can go. And I know you guys are finding new bands and new artists and, and you're very thoughtful. And um, there's excellent journalism going on. And you no, know, I really appreciate it. What do you guys got coming up? Thelma and the Sleaze and Tongues of Fire at the yes, Earl. At the Earl. Yes. And then April 5th at the Earl with Pansy Division from uh, San Francisco. Um, that's going to be awesome show. Spring break at the Earl. Yes. <laughs> and coming after that, a really huge festival. We'll see. Okay. We're aware yet. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so very much. We do appreciate your time. Thanks, and Jeff. Uh, we appreciate your support. Thanks, Jeff. We really appreciate it. This is a little part we like to call a show and tell. Each episode, we're going to be bringing in something locally that we think is absolutely awesome. It may not be local. It might have some kind of tie-in. In fact, uh, you should be going to see Brainiac uh, in February. If it's already too late and they've already played and you're just now seeing it, uh, you should have seen Brainiac. And in fact, if you miss it, you can catch the documentary for Brainiac. It turned out freaking phenomenal. It's awesome. Uh, transmission after transmissions after zero, yeah. and I can't recommend it enough. Uh, it's on Prime. It's in physical form. Uh, can't borrow my copy. I keep losing it. Buying another copy is uh, how the numbers go up. Apparently, yeah. So it's all from you. Uh, yeah. So Bernie Ackham. I don't know, man. I love this band. I love everything about them. And this documentary was fantastic. So Ryan. I understand you uh you were unprepared so i didn't i didn't know we had show and tell going on so i have a copy of record plug magazine that's an old one this is the february well no this is the january <sighs> issue so we're starting this podcast in 2024 at least it's a 2024 issue it is so it is i'm not showing you know like you know the uh, first issue we did two and a half years ago or whatever oh uh, well, actually that could be your show and tell for next one 
Oh, the very first okay. issue. Yeah, we can make fun of it. We together. should just like pop up another an old issue because these are available, you know, to purchase through um, our store. Two dollars. Two dollars. That's it. So anyway, yeah, check out Record Plug Magazine, and um, that'll always be my show and tell, probably. Or if we ever have a pop up, come join us at the pop up and say, "Hey, because we'll have all the issues, you just get them all for free." That's right. Yeah, it'll usually be him sitting in a tent somewhere. Oh, good lord! Probably me sitting in a tent. With that's our a, nice green grass and that's what I do. Yeah. So that's it for episode one. Um, if you can follow us on the uh, YouTube thingamajig there, I think you you know you smash that um, follow button or whatever they say. Um, smash that like. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Um, you know, click the bell icon. I don't smash know. Things. Whatever you do, smash things. Yeah. And then uh, you know we're on podcasts platforms too so you can listen to us if you don't want to look at us i don't know why you'd want to do that i don't know all i can tell you is that it's gonna get better from here my god it's gotta get better from here so. nah, it's not gonna <sighs> but right on cool all right record plug fine i'm out Record Plug Podcast is part of the Headphone Treats Podcast Network.